with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm actually in Australia at the moment in Adelaide. Uh, we've been touring with the Kill the Noise tour from Sydney to Australia. It's about a 16-day tour. And uh, yeah, we're going into schools and uh, letting people know that Jesus loves them. And uh, we've seen a lot of kids get saved. And uh, just hanging out with uh, my boy Jason down here in Adelaide. And we got Toss Papas in studio. And uh, if you don't know him, uh, <laughs> he has an incredible uh, movie out on uh, YouTube. What's it called again? Mayhem. All This Mayhem. All This Mayhem on YouTube. Has a little bit of strong, lag- strong language, but this movie is amazing on how this dude found God. But um, tonight, today I have uh, Sid Tapia in studio. We're going to be talking to him about uh, just his story, man, how he, how he found God. He's a sick artist. Uh, you could check him out on, on Instagram, but just kind of how he got involved, everything he's doing. We have a lot of the same friends. He's uh, involved with the skateboard industry as well and art scene. So I'm stoked to do this show. Sid, what up? Hey, bud. How you doing, man? I just really met you well. last night. That's right, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here we are in the studio chopping it up. Good times. Yeah. Definitely. Dope, man. Well, uh, it's always a, a privilege to have skater in studio. <laughs> Good you stuff. Know, I get a few every year, so... <laughs> It's awesome. Sweet, man. So, sweet. so, dude, so what's your deal, man? What um, Did you grow up out here in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and bred in Sydney, like in the city. Grew up in the city. Um, yeah, man, from like the early days of being in a place known as like uh, Redfern, Surrey Hills. Yeah, good call. Core place in the city. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been good, man. I'm now like 45, so... I've done a fair bit with my life, but it's it's been wonderful to you know be able to see ultimately what God's been doing through me. You know, yeah, one hundred percent. I mm. know we were, we were hanging out last night, and you told me a couple cool stories. And uh, yeah, it's it's always uh, rad to see the adventure or the the venture that God uh, lays before us. Because um, you know, when you're not a Christian and you you think that like if you have to if you give your life to God, that um, your life's gonna suck. It's yeah. going to be boring. You know, mm-hmm. there's this whole misconception. You know, I was with a girl last night that had this whole misconception that she, her life was going to be boring, but it's, it's when you give your life to God, mm. he starts, he's in all these details and he starts doing all these cool things and shows you that life and that purpose that you were created for. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's definitely the purpose today to, yeah. to hear how God has, has directed you. We're cause so we're in Australia and, and Christianity is not really a hot topic down here. It's, is it, is it more like kind of like Jesus is a joke or, um, it's, I don't know, the way I see it from where I'm from, it looks like, for me, where I'm at now with the way I, I'm living life, you know, there's been times where, and we'll go back to it, but just to sort of answer that question, it seems like with the people that I deal with now, a lot of people that aren't Christians and some that are like, obviously my friends from church and whatnot, yeah. but then with other people that I do want to just relate with and hang with, um, a lot of that is... You know, when I hear about, you know, the whole 
agenda, the whole secular agenda against like what, against, you know, what Christianity may be. It seems like they, like with, I think it's been like this throughout the years. People always want to sort of just put it to the side a bit, you know. If it gets addressed, there's a, that sort of awkward moment. Yeah. But I'm finding in those moments, that's where it's great to be bold and just be like, so stoked about it when you talk about it because yeah. that over that's going to override any uncertainty in the conversation or in the feeling that people may have towards it and i you know god always prevails you know light always overcomes darkness and mm-hmm. and that's the encouraging thing to be able to walk out in that in those moments when you're talking with people especially when i'm painting like a painting large-scale murals you know i'm out doing a big piece and it attracts a lot of attention you know um people stopping by taking photos people want to have a chat, you know, yeah. because they're really psyched about what they're seeing, you know. And in those moments, that's, they're wonderful moments to be able to just meet all sorts and just be able to open up a conversation in a way where it leads towards, um, it adds towards what I'm doing. And if I'm in a community painting a large-scale mural, then obviously they're being blessed by it. They're like, you see it in their yeah. faces, they're like, wow, this is awesome. And then from that, they get to meet the person. And I know there that I'm like, okay, I do believe it's awesome, but I know why it's awesome. You know, I know why you've got that joy on your face. It's because there's something happening in you that's, you know, clearing up your day, so to speak. And then I'm able to, you know, drop flavors of, of God in there and talk to them about their life and what they're about. And they're, a lot more open to want to speak to me. The walls, yeah, the, the walls are down because you already have this relationship. There's this yeah. conversation happening about this piece of art. Exactly. And yeah. now that there's no, there's no like judgment or anything. Yeah. Conversations are already happening. They came yeah. to you basically. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's sick. And that's like the power of music as well. Yeah. And we we're talking about it a bit um, yesterday, like with music, you know, people listen to music. Um, and I was having a convo about music and the power of music is that when people listen to it, they come into agreement with it if they like the tune, if they like the rhythm and the body language is they're saying, yeah, this is rad. You know, they're yeah. nodding their heads and that n- gesture of nodding your head is like an agreement. But then the power of words come in and that's where lyrics are important. Um, and what lyrics are actually saying is where we have to be able to discern what it's doing in our life because there's so many people that listen to music today. Music sounds rad, but then the lyrical content is... When you break it down, if someone was to just be speaking that word without the music, you'd be like, hey, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to hear this conversation right <laughs> it's now. It's true, huh? <laughs> but music has the power to get you to agree. So I think, you know, we as people can be a lot wiser with like what's really being said and make that, you know, decision to be able to propel us in, you know, the direction we want to go in. Really quick. Uh, so in one of these moments when, when some people come up, do you have like a cool story? Because you just actually, I just saw your Instagram and you just did like a huge mural on a wall of mm. this. It looks like a rugby player or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, I mean, you know, when you do these huge murals, yeah. people come up and you talk to them. Has there ever uh, has there ever been a, a time that you actually got to, you know, someone just opened up and like you just it led them to the Lord right there on the spot? Yeah, things like that happen, man. Like, nuggets. Yeah, because the, what happens is like I'm painting, I've got this, I've done a lot of uh, murals for the NRL, which is like saying the NFL in, oh, okay, in the cool. States, right? It's right. The, the equivalent in Australia. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and then I know some of the players, like I know like the captain for the Parramatta Eels and he is a Christian. We grew up in church together at our old church. Um, I know another guy who plays for another team, they're Christians. So, and they have quite a voice within their 
football community. So I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I, I, I use it strategically to sort of go, okay, I know these guys, so I want to bring them. I deliberately want to bring them up in conversation. Yeah. Why? So obviously so I can, in the hope of being able to yeah. bring someone to the Lord. So in saying that, it's like, you know, I'm painting a mural and I'm talking to like the big marketing directors or whoever it may be. And in saying that, I'm able to be like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, so you obviously know Tim Manor, yeah? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know Tim? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know Tim. Yeah, we. that's where I'm able to just bring in something like, yeah, we did church together, you know, both Christians, top guy. And they're like, yeah, he is a great guy, isn't he? Yeah. And then that sort of gets them to think about all the times that they've had with him because they see more of him than they're going to see of me. Right. I'm just a contracted painter that they love, that you know, they love my work and that's about it. But these guys are dealing with these other guys within their community. So that's awesome to be able to then get them to think, you know, like, oh, hey, I'm going to keep an eye on Tim a little bit more. He knows that artist who did all that amazing work and he's, you know, a Christian as well. And, you know, he was such a lovely guy, you know, and I know I'm a lovely guy simply because of Jesus. That's about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, all those things I know are adding up to um, more opportunities. And, yeah, and, you know, there are moments where I'm painting and then, you know, I'm able to talk to certain people that I, I remember one lady who came up to me and she was um, she was uh, of – I think she was a Muslim lady. She had like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 yeah, yeah. And she felt so reluctant to come and talk to me, but I could tell there was someone to the side. I was up on the scissor lift. Yeah. She was so reluctant to want to talk to me. And I think it's because of her, just maybe the way she's kind of led to, you know, be as a woman in life. And right. it seemed like she was oh, really right. yeah. closed in and mm-hmm. not wanting just to just approach another man and talk to him, but she couldn't help feel so overwhelmed by what she was seeing and I was painting um, a big uh, NRL mural big uh, the first one I did it was a probably about I think it was about two and a half stories high and and then I came down and I could see that she was just like a little kid you know again and just there was a sparkle in her eye a a wow for a moment but at the same time I could see she was struggling and I I could tell it was you know most likely because of how she has to be um, brought up or whatever. So I came down, I was just, you know, really passive in the sense of my approach to her and like, Hey, and she was like, Oh, hello. And she was really nervous, but it's almost like she wasn't, I don't know. It felt like oh, she shouldn't be talking to me. Like, I yeah. think that's what she was thinking. Yeah. But I was trying to just say, Hey, so what's up? You know? And she goes, Oh, I love what you're doing. I'm like, Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. And then that led into a great conversation to be able to talk about, about life and, you know, about, you know, from what I remember, I've talked to so many people, but I remember in that moment, I was like, I wanted to let her know that I was a Christian and that, you know, it's great. Like, it's wonderful that you are enjoying this. It's like, it's okay, you know, because to her, I could see that she wasn't sure whether she should be enjoying it or something, you know, and it was kind of odd, odd dynamic. But that's the wonderful thing about a lot of the art that I'm doing. It's, it just is able to give me a good voice to be able to paint certain murals. And now I'm starting to work in painting like a lot of um, more iconic people. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm about to do a piece. And I was thinking about like this piece and I was like, oh, I don't know, because I didn't exactly agree with like some of the things that certain people may do, you know. But yeah. then at the same time, I'm like, you know what, for, for example, I'm, I'm be, I've, I've been asked to do a, a mural of uh, Angus Young. Right, Angus Young, lead singer. Uh, sorry, lead guitarist for ACDC. Mm-hmm. Big mural of him. I think it's going to be about six meters high by about twelve meters wide or something. And I was thinking, mm, all right, okay. I, I as a kid, I remember Angus, and I used to imitate him, and I was like, I used to think he was such a rad character the way he plays guitar and everything. But then I look, I think about you know all the stuff like 
lyrically and the things they portray and you know they're always doing their little devil horn yeah. things and blah 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 and I'm like you know I, I'm like, I, I get it you know I get that some people may look at something like that and be like ah oh, you know isn't he Christian he's painting this and that and I'm like well you know what like let me think about this and I'm thinking if I do paint it you know this is my this is what I'm going to be you know asked to do I'm like How's that going to come through? All right. So I'm thinking about it. So this thought, is very interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, how's this going to come through? If I'm going to paint this massive mural, of an, and I know, like, I can I can just say, you know, it's going to be a great mural. Like, the murals I do, I don't, I don't look at them and go, oh, they're all right. You know, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm going to be honest. It's going to, I'm, I believe it's going to be a great, outstanding mural, right? So it's going to create a lot of attention. And then it's going to point back to me as an artist. So I'm looking at, and I thought, you know what? If I put up on my Instagram, what am I going to put down there? I'm like, you know what? I'll probably just put, God save Angus Young. Yeah. And as, as the, that's the title of it. But for all I know, maybe, I don't know this guy. Maybe God has already called his name. And who am I to sort of come in and say, I'm not going to paint his because I don't believe he's a Christian. For all I know, you know, it's, it, God is the one who does the choosing, you know. It's, you know, he... You know, we love because he first loved us. Yeah. And that's that. That's how I'm seeing it. So I'm like, okay, here's a little thing where I'm sort of like battling with and what's it going to do and what's it going to prevail. But if it's going to point back to me, I want to show that I'm a person that I want to, if, if I get to meet this artist and, I'll, and if I paint him, I'm going to be meeting him in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I want to show and point this guy to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this could be, and, and I'll be open in saying, you know, I'm going to probably write a little blurb in saying, you know, this is what I think, but I've been commissioned to do this artwork. But in saying this, this is where I stand. And I would want to see someone like Angus Young and anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus become a Christian because it, it's where it's at. So yeah, I'm still sort of weighing things out there. But I think to go along with that, that conversation Mm. is that, um, I believe that we are, we're led by the Holy Spirit, you know, mm. and God speaks to us in different ways for certain things. Yeah. Some people may would have a, com, uh, a conviction not to do it, mm. but then some people they would, the Holy Spirit would lead and he's giving you an, in, like he's giving you insight on a way to do this mm. and to use it, you know, for, to, to run it through your social media and, and say a word. So mm. we got, I, I'm very like, I, I like to be led to the by the Holy Spirit. I don't like to put Jesus in a box. Mm, mm. And um, just like even like certain go- concerts I go to or certain bands I work with or whatever. Mm. I mean, I could I go on a lot with I go on the road with a lot of different bands that are not mm. Christians, and mm. and mm. people would frown on the fact that I'm with them. Yeah, but uh, we gotta we gotta be uh, in the world, not of the world. And there's, right. we just gotta be led, you know. But that's spirit. it, man. And you know what's wild about? I was having a convo with some of the elders at my church. Yeah, and. Um, the conversation came up regarding um, going into certain places of Australia that could be spiritually, you know, devoid of God, so to speak. You know, it's demonic or whatever. Yeah. And I'm there going, you know, like this, like Christians are going in there and they didn't seem too, you know, happy about it. And I'm thinking, it just uh, straight away just took me to Jesus back in the Valley of the Lepers, you know. I'm like. Wow, I go, you know, if anything, like, okay, if you're going into these places that are spiritually unsound or whatever because they're, like, indigenous or Aboriginal sort of, like, um, areas where they, you know, would offer up whatever to certain yeah. nature gods or whatever, right. right? I'm like, okay, if you're going in there to participate in that ritual or if you're going in there to sort of just be a spectator, then okay. And if you're if you're a Christian or whatever, and you're not, and you're going to keep your mouth shut about 
everything and anything, you're just going to sort of go along with it. Okay, I get it. That's probably not a safe place, you know, because you're just going to be influenced rather than being the influence, right? right. But if you're going in as, as a, with an agenda of sorts, then so be it. That's what the Lord did. So they did, were mad. They, were, they weren't psyched on going going in there at all, at all at all at all and i'm like well you got to realize i was th- I, it was kind of an awkward moment because i'm talking i was you know talking to an elder of uh, at the church and i'm and i was kind of just wanting some discernment in regards to just speaking out so quickly and then i was but i brought up i just wanted to bring it back to jesus and say you know look at jesus in the valley of the lepers man there's a place where people of that people had the the belief and even the superstition that if you've sinned so you know, so bad, yeah. then you come down with this disease and you got to be thrown in this pit of humanity where it's the worst of the worst. And, mm-hmm. you know, but of course, you know, Jesus is there. And, you know, that whole thing of light overcoming darkness, you know, light's way more powerful. Even, so there's, like, there's even that one story where uh, Jesus takes his disciples, where he gives that, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, um, but he took the disciples there and he says, um, um, on this rock, the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. That location, I can't think of the name of it right now off the top of my head because it's mm-hmm. too early in the morning. No. <laughs> but uh, that place, I've been there in Israel. And uh, where, where they go, that's actually where the Greeks would worship the god of uh, Pen. Yeah, right. And the god of Pen, basically, the way they would worship him is they would do blood sacrifice with yeah. animals. And I believe even, oh, no, sorry, hu- blood sacrifice with animals and human sacrifice. Yeah, right. And they would go there, and the god of Pen, the, the superstition was that this god would manifest, mm. and he looked like the goat legs, you know, the horns mm-hmm. and half-bought human body, mm-hmm. and he would chase the women through the, the you know, the force there yeah. and, and have sex with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now here's Jesus. Mm. He takes his disciples to this place. Mm. This was where they said, when I was there, the tour guy said, this is where the witchcraft was happening. Mm. Godless stuff. And they would all go up to this beautiful area. Baselda, maybe it, I forget the name of it. I don't want to misquote it, cool. but it's there. And Jesus takes his 12 disciples and he mm. gives that gnarly message mm. about on this rock, the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-mm-mm. Here he is with the disciples. That's it. He went. That's it. Yeah. He yeah. went. And that was the darkest place in that area mm. at that time. Straight witchcraft. That's epic, man. That's it. That's it. Light always overcomes darkness. Yeah. Right? It Jesus. can't be the other way around. So I think it's crucial. Um, Jesus said to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm. And what are the, I was talking to Toss yesterday. I think it was Toss about the things of the world or the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. Mm. These are not from the father. Mm. So if we're going in there and we're being a light, we're letting our light shine, like you said, mm. that's what God's called us to do. Our yeah. mission is the Great Commission. Yeah, that's it. You know and, what I mean? And to have that prayerful discernment regarding, you, yes. know, acknowledge, you know, acknowledging God in all your ways, yeah. in all your ways. So like with, you know, so going back to like this whole thing about painting this certain mural, like I'm having to acknowledge the Lord here and pray and yeah. be like, and have conversations, even like this, to still be able to get that wisdom and and insight towards how things are going to be happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, yeah, it's good times. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, we're, yeah. I know we're going to have to uh, kind of go back to the beginning of your story, but I do yeah, want to yeah. touch on a couple of things really fast. Yeah, yeah. On your Instagram it says uh, Ruka, Adidas, Sony, G-Shock. Mm-hmm. You have all these things. What, so how are you They're, affiliated with all this stuff? They look after me. It's like a sponsor. It's, yeah. it's sponsorship so basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Coming from, it's 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 different in regards to what I do as an artist because I've my I only started spray painting again six years ago. Mm. Um, I first started graffiti when I was about eleven, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 10, 11 or so. Um, right, okay, so during this time, were you, were you a Christian at this time when you were growing up? Uh, no, not at all, no. Um, so basically going initially to that question, then yeah, I'll sorry, divert back. So the those brands um, are like my sponsors. I'm an ambassador for those brands. Yeah, an influencer, that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I know isn't very common regarding certain um, artists or street artists where they just stick to certain brands. Right. But the reason I go that route is because of my background as a, a professional skateboarder in Australia and I grew up having sponsors. Yeah. So I've, most of my life has been skateboarding regarding like from the age of 19 to like 35, I've sponsored all those years um, skateboarding. So that's been the biggest chunk of my life. So that's what I've been used to representing brands that, I, uh, that I'm like, down yeah. for yeah, yeah. and they look after me and I look after them. And now that I've gone into this realm of um, as a professional artist, I think, well, wow, you know, like I still got that mentality. I'd still love to represent brands. So I've kind of been into that mode of doing things. So I'm down for those brands. But in going back to when I, going back to when I started graffiti, yeah. So that was at the age of 11. And that um, that's when, I, I could say that's when the crazy stuff started happening in life, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So um, I got into like my whole art and all that sort of thing through my mother. She, at the age of three or four, I used to nerd out on her handwriting. Her oh, handwriting yeah. is just beautiful and it's very unique. Um, so anyway, I noted out on that. And then she taught, she saw how much of an interest I had in it. So she started teaching me from a young age how to handwrite. And this is cursive writing. Right. I, I got really, really good at it. Once I started going to school, I got so good at it that when I started failing at school, I started forging her signatures. Yes. <laughs> right. My friend used to do that for me for my detentions. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, man, I started forging signatures, blah, blah, blah. And, um... I, it, it all came to a stop when I got caught. I was in year four. I think I was eight years old. <laughs> so I got away with it for a while, but I got caught because I made a mistake doing her signature and I'm thinking, okay, this is a bad report card. Um, and I'm there going, okay, I've got to do something. I know what I'll do. I'll get correction fluid. Wait, what is it? Correction oh, fluid, oh, liquid yeah, yeah, paper, yeah. you know, that's the whiteout, yeah, yeah. whiteout stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll do that. And I'm, who seriously whiteouts their signature? No one does that with their signatures, you know? But I'm thinking, I'm eight years old, yeah. you know? So I'm thinking- Sounds like oh, a great idea. Exactly, right? <laughs> this, I get to use this whiteout stuff anyway. Of course, I got caught. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> teachers had it in for me because I wasn't a good kid. I was quite a little pest of sorts. And um, yeah, and that- you know, and I come from a broken home as well. Like, so I, I was making a lot of decisions on my own in many ways and just wanted to fend for myself. You know, my, my dad left me when, when I, I was about three and my mom and my dad had an extremely turbulent relationship. Um, you know, there's a lot of physical abuse, a lot, um, on, and a lot of, you know, a lot of fighting and bashing, all that sort of stuff. I grew up in that sort of household and, and it was hard on me and my brother, you know, and he was like seven years older than me, but he had to come on board as my father figure. He took the responsibility and even to this day is an extremely responsible guy, you know. Um, but he um, he was my father figure when my dad left. But I always had a, a love for my dad as in for me, knowing, even to this day, it still, you know, hits a soft spot where I could just well up. And it's crazy because I didn't grow up with him. But whenever I did see him, mm. I'd be so in awe 
of who he was and just, you know, his physique, his looks, his charm, everything, you know, I'd be like, man, this guy's the man, but I'd never see him, mm. you know, and, um, and he wasn't around. My mom was extremely embittered towards him, you know, extremely embittered to the point where, unfortunately, and I, I, I don't blame my mom now, you know, but she used to take it out a lot on us, yeah. a lot, you know, when it comes to um, a lot of physical abuse and a lot of uh, mental abuse. And I've shared this a lot and a lot of, like, when I go speak to people, you know, the, I'd say the mental abuse was more challenging because, I, I unfortunately, I did grow up n- never hearing, like, well done, oh, you're great, well, you know, you're so talented or you're wonderful, son, you can do whatever. No, I honestly never heard that. I actually heard the opposite every day of my life, like constantly drilled in me, like you'll never amount to nothing. Everything you touch, you destroy. Um, a lot of this was mixed in Spanish as well. And Spanish, as you may know, is a very passionate language. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, that on me. And then on top of that, the, the fights, the hittings, this and that. And it was, ext- it, it did a lot to me as a kid physically. It stunted me in many ways, even physically. I didn't like grow properly as a kid. I was quite stunted in growth. I was losing hair as a young kid, mm-hmm. like in, in stress. Yeah, stress. Yeah. I was losing hair at like before I even hit, you know, double figures, you know, 10 yeah. order. And there was a lot of that going on. And, what you know, I, I was suffering from headaches for like a year straight, like a year straight, you know, I had to get CAT scans and all this sort of stuff done because it was so turbulent and I didn't know how to, you know, your kid doesn't know how to deal with it. And then my brother's having to sort of man up a lot of the times and teach me how to be a man and, you know, get me out and do life and fight, you know, fight other people, you know, like learn teaching me how to fight other dudes that were bigger than me yeah. so I could man up. And, you know, it, it was an awesome relationship in the sense that he really psyched me up to yeah, yeah, to totally. be the man. In his own understanding, though, you know, which was really, like, rough, now that I look back at it with all the things he'd say to me and the things he'd get me to watch and the things he'd get me to do, I was like his little, you know, puppet that he could just, like, play around with, you know. And it was nuts that I, I, that I had to go through that when I look back at it. But what it ended up doing was, is like he taught me a lot of things as in like what to look for in, in, in others as a form of strength. And if I was into something, he was quite, you know, assertive as in like, oh, that's not cool. You got to yeah. do this, you know, yeah, yeah. are you into this music? No, nah, you got to like this music, you know, and he got me in a lot of different scenes as a kid, whether it was like a lot of the punk scenes and a lot of the underground sort of like independent stuff that was coming out of England, you know, the music wise and yeah, everything. Yeah. And certain ways to dress, etc. Right. Anyway, I was kind of with me and my with my brothers. You know, they're all older, so I just kind of yeah, right. Help me out along that way. Yeah, yeah, and that's rad. Like it's yeah. a, it's a cool, cool thing because I guess we were, as kids we we're all looking for direction. We we're all looking for a father figure of sorts. I had that in my brother. But anyway, when I started breaking out of like wanting to just sort of his opinions of sorts, I started getting into graffiti or the hip hop scene. And that was a total contrast from total the stuff. Con- but that, still that, underground though. Yeah. But he like was this, like, he's yeah. all about, you know, getting me to listen to things like, you know, whether it was the specials or the selector madness. Uh, That's all the, the stuff my brothers listen to. Right. The <laughs> Smiths or that sort of stuff. Yeah. I grew up on Echo and the Bunnyman was another big one. All yeah. these sort of things that at, at that age, he's like, you know, this is right. This is cool. Dressed like this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then I'm getting into, I'm seeing hip hop on, on the screens yeah. and I'm like, this is, this is really cool. Started break dancing, getting good at uh-huh. it. And that led into graffiti at about the age of 11. And that's when I started mixing with some crew that was a little bit kind of, kind of odd. <laughs> I think, I think we're going to be going to break here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. 20 seconds. Yes. The story is sick. It's mm-hmm. getting going. We have Sid Tapia in studio. 
from Australia. Where are you from again? You're from uh, Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. I didn't want to ruin that. Um, yeah. If you uh, follow the Whosoever's movement, we are touring high schools globally now all around the world. So uh, if you're interested and you hear this on YouTube or just on the radio show, connect with us at uh, ryan-reese.com or the whosoever's.com. My name is Israel Lejani. I live in Shiromeda, Addis Ababa, uh, in a place called Hayasos Kabale. It's a very, very tough neighborhood. There are lots of bars and uh, the kids can get addicted or exposed to drugs. There is nothing that can inspire the children. When I first started skateboarding, I brought one skateboard from Sweden and through time, I get more from different friends that helps me to expand my uh, skate vision. Our skate park is called Love in Action Ethio Skate. We use skateboarding as a tool to empower them positively and get motivated to do whatever their talent is. I want the kids to see that it's possible to be somebody in their life. Uh, so. I just want to be an example for them. We have built the first ramp in Ethiopian history. We want to do skate parks in different parts of Ethiopia. I've seen a lot of changes among the kids. Uh, some kids who used to be uh, involved in stealing and different bad behaviors. They have become uh, more reliable and more responsible. The main goal is just to affect them positively that they can be somebody and also they can help someone who is in need. I see lots of different talents among those kids and the future, this kid can be somebody who is really important. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say... Whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. We are back in studio with Sid Tapia from Australia, Sydney to be exact. Right before the break, he was just telling us about how uh, how he got involved with art, and he does these sick murals on the side of buildings, and um, he uses it to, uh, God uses it to bring people to come talk to him, and just um, really cool things. Then also, just like a lot of you guys that are listening, he grew up in a broken home, a lot of chaos, and um, just his, his brother was his raising him. To be a man, but um, it was very, very rough, mm. rough upbringing. And you grew up listening to a lot of ska and, and a lot of underground stuff mm. from the UK. But then you got introduced to hip hop. What happened yeah, at that point? So hip hop then led me into the whole creative side of things because I've always enjoyed the whole art side of stuff. And at 11 or so, I got started seeing graffiti for the first time. And that led into the fascination of graffiti and wanting to do it. Um, then going into year into high school, um, met up with another guy who was also in the same sort of field of loving hip hop and the whole graffiti movement. Yeah. So we started rolling together and then we started 
you know, tagging. We started hitting up trains and started doing all that sort of stuff, you know, and obviously that would take us away from school. And because coming, you know, you know, it's like coming from a broken home. You don't really want to be home. You don't really want to, you know, take heed to the advice you're getting because it's so mixed up with all this negative negativity. And then that led into a lot of stealing um, because that was kind of the thing that was also glorified as well when it came to graffiti. You know, it's what you, you end up calling racking. You know, you, you got to rack your paint, you got to rack your pens, you got to go out and bomb and just get up, which is obviously just to get your name and put it out there as much as you can. And that, um, at the uh, I'll, I'll fast forward, I'll skip a fair bit because I want to be able to tell you some of the, the some pivotal things that happened yeah, with all these things that I got into, which seemed so cool at the time. Um, I didn't really care much about the fact that I was failing everything at school because I never really held much, you know, esteem for that sort of area. But then when it came to um, the age of being like 13, I used to meet up with some friends after school. They'd they'd meet me on the train. Um, They'd come all the way from a certain part of town, come into the city to meet me. By the time they met me, I had already – it was kind of like a ritual in a way, you know, like every day was the same thing. (laughs) They'd come, they'd meet me at a certain station. I'd already be in the back carriage and have all the train doors um, popped out. So we'd just take the gas out of them so you can hang out and do your thing while we're traveling through tunnels and stuff. Anyway, um, this one time – uh, two girls, the friends of mine, they came, they met me, they got on the train. I had all the train doors busted. And as soon as they get on, you know, the train goes, boom, you bring your pens out and you just start tagging tagging away. Get in the back carriage and get in the, the guard's compartment. If you could, you know, there's ways of getting in. Anyway, you just tag. And, you yeah. know, you, if you can get out of the train while it's traveling through the tunnels, even better because you can get on, on onto the side of the train and tag the outside of the train, especially in the tunnels where no one's watching. You, even though the train's belting at a crazy speed, you're, you're able to tag up. And then, you know, by the time the train gets out of the tunnel, then there you go. You, you got your whole little, oh like, gosh, marketing crazy. campaign on the train, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, like... It's the sort of thing we'd be doing day in, day out. Anyhow, there was this one time as the train's coming out of uh, Redfern Station, um, it starts to slow down as it starts exiting the tunnel, okay? Because on the exit, there's a there's a, a, a an uphill sort of thing, and then it goes uphill, and then the train has to slow down because it has to change tracks, okay? Um, and as the train's changing tracks, it's moving from side to side quite a lot. Now, I was back there maybe about six years ago, this happened. This is um, the story I'm telling you now. It happened when I was about 13, but six years ago I went back there to this area and did the same journey, and I timed this incident from me, from the time that this thing happened. Anyway, I'll give you the. the it was 23 seconds. Okay. Yeah. 23 seconds. This is about to happen that I'm about to tell you now. I'm outside of the train tagging as it's coming out of the tunnel. It's coming into daylight, and my friend pulls me in, and. She's pulled me in and I'm thinking the only reason she's pulling me in is because there's police or detectives or someone coming into the carriage that we're about to be in. So I come in and I'm like, what's up? And she goes, oh, I heard that there was um, police taking photos in this area as the train's coming out of the tunnel. So as the train's coming out of the tunnel, there was rumor that there was police taking photos of graffiti artists hanging out of trains so they can get, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was happening because in the 80s um, – that's when graffiti was booming in a big way and people were freaking out going, what is going on with yeah. our trains? They're being tagged. Anyhow, she pulls me in. 
Now remember, 23 seconds, okay? 23 seconds from her pulling me in, me questioning, she telling me, detectives, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. So I get in the train. And then as the train's slowing down and changing tracks, she pops her head out slightly to look back to where that spot is. And as she does that, I hear, I see her pull her head out and then I turn around and I hear the loudest bang. It was huge. So big to the point where I looked up to the end of the carriage and people at the end of the carriage turned back and looked at me. And then I looked back wondering where this bang came from and my friend is gone. She's just disappeared. And I remember I was with two other girls and she says, where's Tracy? I'm looking around. Now, remember what I was saying, how the train slowed down because it was changing tracks? Yeah. Now, I look out. And I look around and I look down as the train's moving because the train doors were busted so I could just easily look out. And there she is lying on the ground as the train's just going away and she's left lying on the rocks alongside the tracks, just like a dead body, right? And we we look at each other. We're like, okay, all right, ditch everything. We just ditched everything. We threw everything, all the paint, everything out. Um. What are we going to do? Okay, let's go to the guards' compartment. We start r- r- walking briskly up to the middle of the guards' compartment to go tell them to stop the train and tell them the whole story, right? Now, okay, the repercussions of all of that obviously would be, you know, police or that sort of stuff. Okay, that all happened, right? What, but what, he, what did she hear? What had happened was oh. as she's gone to look out, to look back, as the train was changing tracks – you can imagine the train just moving from side to side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There used there's it's now being gutted out, but there used to be a a bridge wall, a yeah. bridge wall. Yeah, it yeah. was going under a bridge, and that wall used to be literally like I don't know, like what eight inches away from the train so as it moved tracks. So, so it was far yeah, away, but yeah. as the train's moving, it would get extremely close to this wall. And she's just gone po- popped her head out just a bit, and that. The side of that wall, that oncoming bridge wall, has clipped the back of her head and spat her out. Oh, my right? gosh. So okay. this happened in 23 seconds. I was out of the whole train. I was like my hand, because the, the way you'd hold out, you'd hold the bar or the, or the side door, right. and then you'd fling your whole body out and just start okay. tagging the side. Yeah. So unknowingly, she's basically saved my life. You know, she's pulled my whole body in. She only got clipped on the back of the side of the head, and thank God she's alive to this she's day. She's alive. She suffers from migraines every day. Oh, she's had brain damage. Yeah. And she's unknowingly saved my whole life at the age of 13. She's brought me in because I would have been taken out You'd by this one. Probably just, I, I, I think about what could have happened, like kind of like getting your hands together and rubbing them. Mm-hmm. That up against the brick wall and the train would have been what happened to me and then spat out, you know, because right, that's how small right. that gap was. Right, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, man, like, anyway, after that major incident, man, like, graffiti was never the same after me because I was 13 years old and I was, I was traumatized as a kid. I didn't know what being traumatized was. But yeah. the reason I, I look back at it now and the reason I was traumatized and I know that now is because Graffiti is like this thing you love doing. It's sometimes like a habit. You get a pen and you just want to go 
you know, put your name down somewhere and tag if it's under a table, whatever. It's like this thing you want to do, right? But every time I'd put a pen in my hand again or a can or whatever, I'd be uncontrollably shaking, like just un- like yeah. nervously shaking yeah. every time. And I'm like, I can't do this. It was so weird. Anyway, that's what got me into skateboarding um, a lot more. I started skating at a really young age. Yeah. Like I always had skateboards around the house. But th- from that, being traumatized, it just started leading me away from the whole vibe of graffiti and started seeing a lot of my friends getting into, you know, heavier drugs and ODing and this and that. And then, you know, I was like, it just wasn't the same. So skateboarding kicked in yeah. in a major way. Um, at the age of like 15 is when I learned to ollie for the first time. And then that led into just going hard out into skateboarding and skateboarding and skateboarding, putting my time and effort in that. Didn't touch artwork at all, man. Didn't touch it at all. And, you know, age of 20, I got sponsored and with my skateboarding and then ended up going pro in Australia at the age of like 22 or something. And then started picking up sponsors and doing really well with that, you know, doing really, really well with it. But in saying all this, Ryan, is that as well as it looked, I was still that broken kid, man, coming up from a broken home and being told every day that I'll never amount to nothing. So totally insecure, totally an insecure mess. But on the outside, looking confident on the outside, looking, you know being told a oh, good looking bloke this and that you know you got the ratter style blah 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 you yeah. know think getting all these uh, ego boosts about yeah. my identity and trying to hold on to that as my identity <laughs> you know mr <laughs> mr suave thinking i'm like the man and what whatnot you know yeah, yeah. and then but guess what man i'm like thinking okay i gotta get gnarlier i gotta get I'm not just going to date one chick. I'm going to date this other chick. And you know what? Now I'm going to date. Because you're a player. Exactly, dude. You know what I mean? No, no. That sort of stuff. So I'm now going out with this chick who does this for a living and this other girl who, you know, takes her clothes off for a living. And here I am, you know, like a 7-Eleven saying, hey, dad, check this out. This is my new girlfriend opening up a porno magazine and being like, that's my girl that I'm dating now, thinking I'm the man, showing my dad something that, you know, I'm showing my dad taking my friends out to like the cross. It was just like a rough area in, in King's cross is rough right. everywhere. Yeah, right? So like, <laughs> and you know, it is. The King's cross, Jesus' cross is the roughest place yeah, ever. Yeah, sure. It was, you know, it's where it all went down. Mm-hmm. And like, and funnily enough, here's King's cross of Sydney, also with it's like the pit of sin of, of, of Australia in many ways. Yeah. And here I am, you know, taking my girlfriend, uh, sorry, my girlfriend but at the time, you know, she's stripping and one. I'm taking my friends over being like, hey, let's go to have some drinks. And there's my girl, you know, like taking the clothes off for a living. And I'm thinking I'm the man, this and that. Broken as all hell, you know, like yeah, totally. not knowing. Anyways, like Damn. another quick story I want to share just because this is like a great pivotal thing as well. Taking a few trips to the States, this and that with certain sponsors and skating and blah, blah, blah. Meeting girls in the States. Met one girl. Um, long story short, there was a time through all of this time of being sponsored and everything, I was suicidal uh, throughout a lot of my teens and early 20s. And I got to a point where I, um, yeah, I was about to end it all at about 23. And that was it. I was like, I'm done. I'm like, that's it. And um, no, sorry, I was about 20, 25, 26. I was in my room and I actually did have a Bible open. And the reason I had a Bible open is because the company I was skating for at the time, the guy who owned it, had just become a Christian. I wasn't a Christian, but the fact that he was a Christian made me sort of think, maybe it's something I could sort of look yeah. at. Yeah. Open my eyes a bit, yeah. sort of like, okay, I'll, 
I ended up getting a Bible in the city because someone handed me a Bible and I didn't reject it like I normally would have. I would have been like, at that time I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'll take it because the he's guy the guy I skate f- for at the moment is a Christian. So it's kind of like I'm dissing him in a way. So I'll take this Bible. Anyway, had this Bible open at home and I'd been going through this big breakup with this girl that I was seeing and I was just a complete mess, just wanting to end it all. And um, it's quite a story, but look, I just want to say like within that time of being absolutely riddled by darkness and wanting to end it at that given moment in my bedroom. I thought to myself, that's it. I was crying. I actually was crying hard out to God and I didn't know what God was. I'm like, God, anything, but I was black as black. The probably one of the blackest moments I've had was ultimately just a broken heart, you know? And I crying out, had this Bible open. And then I said, you know what? That's it. I'm, I'm done. Now, remember I told you about this girl that I'd been dating in the States. This is this was happening back in Australia, this dark moment. This girl that I dated back in the States, I hadn't seen her for, for about a year. And I hadn't, da- uh, we'd broken up. I hadn't seen her for about a year and I hadn't talked to, talked to her in about six months. Six months, all right? Okay, so here I am, black as black. I'm like, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm done. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. That's, I think that's what I'm going to do. Had this Bible open. I'm looking at that thing and that's not even working. No one's here with me. That's it. You know, in those moments where you're about to do something, like if you just think, I've got to go to the toilet, for example. It's like, you may have been right, but someone just says to you, okay, I've made a decision. I'm about to act on it. Okay. There's like a split second in that. Anyway, here I was thinking to myself, I'm going to end my life. And in that split decision where I was about to say, okay, I'm going to get up now and go to the bathroom and finish it all. In that split decision-making process, the phone rang, a mobile phone, right? <laughs> when mobile phones was kind of new or whatever. Yeah. And it was one of the most strangest things because you've come to a point where, okay, I'm never going to answer a phone in my life again. I'm never going to see life again. But if I answer this phone that just started ringing the moment I was about to end life, that means I have to make a decision to continue life because I'm going to answer a phone. You know, it's very simple, but it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. I have to I have to keep communicating. I'm about to make a decision where I don't want to communicate anymore. Wow, that's heavy. So I'm there going, okay, what do I do? I'm caught between these two areas. And you know what I did? I picked up the phone, obviously. That's why I'm here. (laughs) So anyway, I pick up the phone and I didn't even say hello. I think I may have said hello in a very like just low hello. Like, And the first thing I hear on the other side is a girl crying. And she says, what's wrong, Sid? She goes, I'm really scared. What's wrong? Tell me. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm like, I said, Lindsay. And it was the girl that I used to go out with. In where, Australia? In Chico, California. Okay. And I haven't talked to her for six months. She goes, I'm scared. Something's wrong with you. What's wrong? She's not a Christian. No? She's not, she was drunk. And she's what? talking to me going, what's wrong? I'm scared. This is amazing. I'm really, really scared for you. I'm embarrassed. I'm about to commit suicide. I'm a man. I'm not going to tell her what's wrong with me, that I'm depressed, I'm brokenhearted, and I want to end my life. You know what I'm saying? So I was like... Whatever, like, nah, I'm all right. No, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? What, you know, then I'm thinking, are you drunk? And she says, yeah, I've had a bit to drink, but so what? What's wrong with you? And I'm there like just, 
Um, but I, at the same time, I am freaking out because here I was crying out to this so-called God to help me in a way. And yeah. I'm getting a call from a girl that I haven't talked to in six months. And the first thing she's telling me is that she's scared for my life. And I was just like, oh, man, this is crazy. So, you know, that was like, that was so heavy, dude. But anyway. Yeah, it was. That led to a whole lot of things and me coming to the Lord at later on in life, you know. And I, I came to know Jesus to through a Bible that was given to me. And that led into, you know, a whole lot of uh, events like down down the track. You know, I wasn't taken to a church first up. It was basically getting a Bible in the streets and reading it more and more and more. And God bring me into like these situations where it just kept leading me to him because I just wanted to know the truth. I, I, I just kept thinking, you know, I, I want to learn about the greatest thing ever. It was a selfish ambition at first, I must say. Yeah. I was thinking I just wanted fame. I wanted, I wanted me to be greater. And I, funnily enough, I thought to myself, who's the most famous person in the world? I'm going to learn from the most famous person in the world because I want to be famous. <laughs> Who is he? Who's, who's it? Is it Tom Cruise? Is it this guy? Is it this guy? And I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me be honest with myself. Who is the most famous person in the world? I've got to figure this out. And ultimately, I thought, well, it's this Jesus guy. I thought that, and it is. If you it think is. about it, he's yeah. got, he is. Most Bible sold ever. Exactly. You know, buildings put up for him, everything, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Sure. So I thought, okay, I admit, it's this Jesus guy. I thought that, you know, but I'm like, you know what I said? <laughs> this is funny. I was like, you know what? If he's the most famous dude in the world, I want to learn from him because then I can become famous too. But then I said to myself, okay, but what's the most powerful thing ever in life? The most powerful money, power, this, this, and that. And then I thought, well, at the end of the day, I have to be honest. I'm like, it's, it is love. Love has to be the most powerful thing because, you know, people want power, but why do they want power? It's because they want to be loved or they want some yeah. sort of self-worship or whatever. Yeah, so that's true. it all broke down like love. Okay. So I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to learn about love and I'm going to learn about the most famous person in the world. And then it, and then I was like, hey, this Jesus guy, that all he talked about was love. I'm like, man, I hit the jackpot here, right? But then I got stumped when I started reading about Jesus. I actually said to myself, I'm going to make myself his, I'm going to be one of his disciples. I'm going to learn from this guy. But it was a selfish ambition because yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I've got to raise me up. Yeah. And then it came to a point where it was like, you know what? I got stumped when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple... What are you gonna you do? Gotta deny you gotta deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And, and I'm just thinking the whole game. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm out because <laughs> I don't want to deny myself. I want to be like I'm trying to be like you. I want to be me. I want to yeah. be all about me. And he's telling me if I want to be his disciple, I got to deny myself. I'm like, ah, bad deal. I'm gonna read other stuff. <laughs> we have, we have two minutes left, so so yeah. tell me, yeah, yeah. what that pro? Because this is a this is a huge crossroads now. Yeah. So you, he says, you got to deny yourself, pick up mm. your cross. Yeah. So in two minutes, what'd that look like? That ended up looking like me running away. But then at the end, you can't run away from the best thing ever. Yeah. You know, the best thing ever will catch up to you because you can't deny that it's the best. And all the words I kept reading about Jesus were just still calling me to him, calling me to him. And that's the power of his so you word. you continue just reading. Yeah, I had to because yeah. it was like this It was like this thing that you can't get enough of. As much as I didn't want to be part of it and as much as I tried to debunk it with yeah. the reading that I did and everything, you know, I've done a lot of research and study to try to debunk it all. It's like, you know what, I'm at, I'm at that point where I was like, you know, I, I had to surrender. That was it. You are the king, you know, and I, I, I believe finally. <laughs> and that's really, yeah, 
then yeah, life is Tell me this. continued. So for the listeners, they've heard mm. this amazing story. Mm. When you gave your life to God, what was the effect? Because you said you were broken inside. Did God come in and restore and heal and, and work? Yeah, it was a process. A Definitely process. A, process. a process. Yeah, yes. because as I said, I wasn't at a church for years after from coming to know Jesus. I, I was in my bedroom saying, Jesus, I believe, blah, blah, you know, all that sort of thing that a lot of people hear, you know, just, you know, clean me up, you know, I, I want to be, I believe, you know, etc. But after that, it wasn't until like probably, man, maybe six years later that I w- ended up going to a church for the first yeah. time. I just had that, pro- that, you know, God was doing the discipling. God was cleaning me out yep. and leading me to him and step by step by step by step to the point where I've had to just sort of refine and be... And he's made me committed now. He's made me sort of, you know, he's brought me into these avenues where I'm able to sort of go, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm stuck. You know, like I want to be reading my Bible every day. Yeah. I want to be going to church. Yeah. I want to be doing instead of I have to. If it, It's like he's been able to bring me up to the point where it's become a devotion rather than a duty. You know? yeah, yeah, and I want to touch on that because a lot of people think it's a duty. You, when you give your life to God and you start reading the Bible, he starts speaking to you. You mm. go to church, he speaks. It's like sometimes you could be in that church with many people and that pastor says something and it feels like you're the only person in the room because mm. God's speaking to you. Mm. It's not a duty why we go to church. It's because mm. we have a relationship and that's how God speaks to us. Yeah. And and without that, God speaking to us and having that relationship, Christianity is a waste of time and it's just boring. It's just religion. Yeah, man. You know, it's you exciting up, when God speaks yeah. to you. I told this dude last night, they gave his life to Jesus. I go, when Jesus when he speaks to you for the first time, mm. you're going to be like, man, this is just amazing. You know, yeah. like you just got to keep pressing in. So, man, well, man, it's, uh, it's been awesome having you in. I wish I could do another show. And, but you know, next time I come back to Australia or you come to LA, we'll get you in the studio again. And, Sounds uh, good, man. I mean, we could, I, I could have, we could go in many different directions, having a conversation with you. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> Well, you guys, if you want to look up Sid Tapia, you can look him up on Instagram. What, just go ahead and plug your, your, your website yeah, and all so that stuff. Yeah, so it's um, mainly through Instagram. So it's Sid Tapia, S-I-D-T-A-P-I-A. And um, yeah. Yeah, so Instagram's the, the spot to get. Yeah, it's the main spot. Sid Tapia, yeah. And, um, but there's other stuff. I've got a little personal stuff with my family and my, photo, my to- photography and stuff. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, that's where it's okay, at. Okay, dope. Well, you know, a lot of you guys that follow the movement, we are constantly trying to hit as many schools as possible, so uh, please email us or come to our website at thewhosoevers.com. Students today face many more distractions and problems than ever before. Drug abuse, depression, broken families, self-harm, suicide are just a few of the issues they have to overcome. A 15-year-old living today gathers as much information in one day as a 15-year-old would gather 80 years ago in one year. 23% of male students in high school and 37% of female students in high school struggle with depression. On our school tours, we've encountered a sense of hopelessness because of the rise of suicide, depression, and anxiety. The Whosoever's mission is to deliver a message of truth of the gospel to the students and empower them to realize their true purpose in life. Our Kill the Noise school tour reaches out to them with a message of hope. It's a free event we provide to the schools, which includes a speaker with an inspiring message, the Gideon's Book of Life, product giveaways, and free food. 
It's rad because after each event, we get the students plugged into my live radio show on Saturday nights, and we get them plugged into the school club so they could stay connected and get discipled. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We are a movement of whosoever's leading the way to reflect Christ in culture. I love what Jesus says. The harvest is ripe, the workers are few. Here we are. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.